Welcome to Science Just Sound Waves. I'm Ashin Tron and I'll be your host for today. Common sense reasoning in AI aims to equip machines with human-like understanding of the world. It involves capturing and representing vast common sense knowledge, addressing biases, and enabling flexible reasoning. Neurosymbolic approaches combine symbolic reasoning and neural networks to enhance common sense reasoning. Advancements in this field have implications for healthcare, autonomous uh, vehicles, and natural, natural language understanding. By bridging the gap between symbolic and sub-symbolic levels, AI systems can exhibit deeper understanding and make more informed decisions. Today, we're excited to invite Dr. Philip Ilyevsky, a prominent researcher in the field of enhancing common sense reasoning from the University of Southern California. In today's episode, Dr. Ilyevsky will be sharing insights into the challenges and advancements in common sense reasoning particularly focusing on neurosymbolic approaches that aim to imbue AI sy systems with a deeper understanding of human-like understanding. Reason. So can you briefly explain what common sense reasoning is and why it is important for AI systems to possess this ability? Hi, um, thanks Ashini for the invite. Um, so common sense reasoning is has been around uh, as a prominent topic in AI since pretty much its beginnings. Um, so even if we look back to 1950s, there is uh, this paper by John McCarthy talking about how to build machines with common sense, um, or in fact, he calls them programs with common sense. And interestingly, it was a problem that initially researchers expected to solve in one summer. Uh, and yet, you know, here we are in 2023 and we are still discussing how common sense is one of the uh, biggest AI challenges. Um, and so let me start by giving a definition of what uh, people usually mean by common sense. I do like the definition by one of the researchers working on this called Ernst Davis, uh, which basically says that common sense uh, reasoning is about the common knowledge that we have about the world. Um, that's that's possessed by every school child and the methods for making inferences over this knowledge. And so this definition essentially talks about two things. One is there is this body of common knowledge that it's somehow assumed to be shared of between people. Um, and of course here between people and AI. And then also there are methods that allow us to make inferences over this. And so there are a lot of uh, knowledge kinds that go into, into common sense knowledge. So this includes basic facts about uh, events, about the effects of events, uh, facts about uh, different knowledge and how we obtain this knowledge. Uh, then we have a more uh, psychological common sense, so facts about beliefs of people, desires, goals, um, and then facts about uh, the physical world, so material objects, their properties, and so on. So essentially what we, what we take to be common sense knowledge is this very broad um, set of um, knowledge. Why is this important? You know, I mentioned that this has been difficult and people have been trying to capture common sense knowledge and common sense reasoning for now over um, 70 years. And this is important because we often, these days we are trying to 
we're really thinking big about AI and we're trying to see how we can develop AI that not only does impressive things, but can really enhance our lives. Um, and however, in order to have such AI, we really have to be able to trust it. And so common sense reasoning is really related to this notion of trust. Um, this comes up primarily in some high risk scenarios like autonomous vehicles and health. But in fact, trusting AI is pretty much important all over uh, the, the, the use cases that we have in mind. So common sense knowledge and reasoning um, provides us with this shared layer of understanding between people and AI. And that's why it's important to, to include um, in different applications. And then also that's why it would help us uh, facilitate trust. Okay, that's quite inter interesting. What are some of the key challenges in developing AI systems with robust common sense reasoning abilities? Right, so one of the biggest challenge here is that the model needs uh, what we call situational awareness and also rich world modeling. Um, here, what we mean is that the, if we have an AI model, it would need to contextualize um, the knowledge that it has, the, the skills that it has to the task at hand. Um, so, you know, let's say if you want to perform um, reasoning in, in an autonomous vehicle setting, you have to contextualize the knowledge about traffic, but also the knowledge about how pedestrians behave and so on to the specific situation that you're into. Like maybe you're at the traffic light and there is a pedestrian uh, passing by. So you kind of have to integrate all of this knowledge um, uh, at, at the same time. So there is this flexibility and dynamicity aspect that is very important. Um, meanwhile, the knowledge itself what I meant by rich world modeling is that the knowledge itself would actually have to be um, pretty extensive and pretty rich to be able to support this uh, this reasoning. Um, so this is difficult also because there are many implicit steps. So if we think about, you know, there was this one benchmark that we were looking at, and one of the questions there was, did Aristotle use a laptop? And so if you want to answer this question and, and we want to come up to the conclusion of no, uh, we have to think about time because we have to think, well, Aristotle lived way before laptops were around, even the notion of laptops is around. And so it is definitely not the case. However, if we ask the same question of the same form, but then we say, did Laika use a laptop? So Laika the dog, or you know, does a toddler use a laptop? In this question, in this case, the answer is still no, but the reason for that is not time anymore. It's more related to people's capabilities or you know, dog's capabilities in the case of Leica. Um, so there is this very strong um, contextualization aspect that is pretty difficult for, for AI and, and also makes uh, common sense pretty uh, challenging. Um, there are also other challenges. So one other challenge is that it's really hard to learn or acquire the knowledge that we uh, that we need. So one of the main reasons why common sense have remained difficult for the current uh, models is that they are data driven. So the assumption is that you can learn everything from data. Now the problem with common sense is that it's exactly what we don't put in our data because it's so generally so obvious that we we avoid mentioning it as explicitly. Um, there are also other issues with with acquiring and learning the knowledge, for example, the fact that it really depends highly on cultural and spatial-temporal context. You know, what is common today might not be common in 20 years, or maybe it was not common 200 years uh, ago. And um, 
And there are also further challenges that are perhaps a little more technical, but still extremely important. For example, how to represent this knowledge. Um, you know, if we have something like, let's say if we think about um, having, you know, using, using a washing machine, uh, yeah, washing machine can be used in general. We assume that, you know, you can use washing machine to wash clothes, to wash clothes. Um, but you cannot use it if, um, you know, if it's in a store uh, or you cannot use it if it's unplugged. You could use it if it's in your, maybe your, in your parents' house. So there are all of these different uh, contextual aspects that also make it difficult, not just to apply this knowledge, but also it is so, somewhat non-trivial how to, was the best form to actually represent this. Um, right. All right, so could you elaborate on the concept of neurosymbolic approaches and how they differ from traditional AI techniques in, in, in enhancing common sense reasoning? Right, so the current dominant uh, paradigm in, uh, in AI is what we usually call um, sub-symbolic or, or neural methods. So these are methods that um, are based on learning from data, as I mentioned before. Um, and these methods are great in, in generalizing to new data. So the, the great thing about uh, data-driven methods is that we can, um, they can pretty much function in any domain. By function, I mean they can produ produce certain output. And so even if they encounter a new situation, they would, um, they would produce something. Um, so that's a very attractive property, this, this notion of, of flexibility. Um, meanwhile, what used to be the, the dominant uh, paradigm in AI is the idea of symbolic reasoning. So here we have certain symbolic structures, could be, let's say, knowledge graphs or, or logical rules um, that allow us to do this very precise reasoning where we pretty much uh, can say with certainty whether something is the case or not based on our reasoning process. Um, and so these have a lot of benefits in terms of, let's say, explainability, or you can reason over sort of more complex chains of, of uh, thinking. But the problem with these models is that you don't have this flexibility. So if you if something is not in the in the structure that you're using to reason, then there is pretty much no way that you'll be able to answer, for example, if you have a question. Um, and so the reason for neurosymbolic methods or the, the inspiration comes exactly from these properties of the two paradigms. Um, <clears throat> we want to combine the flexibility and the generalizability of the neural methods. So let's say neural networks or language models fall in that category. And then on the other hand, we want to combine that with this explainability, with this um, controllability aspect of the uh, symbolic methods. And so the idea of neurosymbolic approaches is to to combine the, the, the two and have the best of, of both worlds. All right, how do knowledge graphs play a role in common sense reasoning? And what are some of the biases or limitations associated with these graphs? Right, so knowledge graphs are, they fall obviously under the first category, the, the second category of uh, symbolic approaches. Um, they are intuitively useful for common sense reasoning because they aggregate a lot of information that usually would be difficult to distill from data from scratch, right? So if you um, if you want to learn some of these obvious facts from just from reading the internet, uh, you might be able to do that, but in a way, why bother if we already have this um, information stored in a in a knowledge graph? 
Uh, and so people have spent a lot of effort in curating these graphs, either by initially by manual or sort of expert um, inputs over time, going through manual uh, input from uh, crowdsourcing, and then more recently also combining this with uh, neural models that can um, abstract over these graphs. Um, and so the, re the reason why knowledge graphs are perhaps especially important for common sense reasoning is because common sense reasoning is expected to be relatively stable. So it does change over perhaps longer periods of time or across different cultures. Um, but it is assumed that there is a large body of knowledge that, and, and reasoning that can be generally preserved and, and kept over time. So there is this notion of continuity. Um, and because of that, um, these graphs are expected to be valuable over, over a longer time. And so how are these graphs used? So obviously you cannot do a lot just by the graphs themselves uh, besides just running queries, but what people have been doing in practice, including much of the work in our group is to um, use uh, these knowledge graphs to consult, uh, to, to be consulted by uh, reasoning models as external sources of knowledge. What's the best way to do that is uh, I would say there is no clear single answer to that, but we have done several efforts. Um, so let me tell you about a few of those. Uh, in one of them, we, uh, which we call path generation here, let's say if we're given a question like the one I mentioned before, did Aristotle use a laptop? Um, here, what we try to do is we take this graph, which already would have some of this information. Um, and rather than just running a query with let's say, um, you know, a fixed uh, programmatic query, we use a language model to learn paths, to learn how to connect different concepts by by, con by using paths in this graph. Um, and so we are not only, we are actually learning to, to find these paths, but we are also learning to generate paths that don't exist, which is similar to um, this task of, of uh, link prediction uh, over knowledge graph. So here the idea would be that if we have a question, we take our graph and then we take the language model that has kind of consumed the graph um, and is able to connect things in the graph that both exist there, but also generate missing or implicit links. So this is one idea that we have been exploring and that we uh, had quite a bit of success with. Um, there are many other options. So one other idea that we had was, well, can we use graphs to actually, as a middle, um, structure. So let's say we have a generation task where we're given certain keywords. Um, the keywords can be something like you know, dog and frisbee and, and catch and throw. And so we have a model that's asked to create a story about this or, or describe a scene. Um, and so the traditional approach here would be to just take your words, use a language model, uh, then produce a certain, generate a certain output. In our case, what we try to do is to use um, a knowledge graph as a, as a middle uh, structure as in a way to, to imagine what the scene would be. So we first represent the scene as a knowledge graph, and then we use another module to actually transcribe this knowledge graph into text. Um, so these are two of the ideas. There are some others, for example, we can use um, knowledge graphs to help with the state tracking in stories. So stories are written in natural language. We could use a graph to actually take this natural language and connect this to some, let's say like symbolic space and then reason over that one. Um, or another option would be to actually use graphs to generate uh, synthetic data. So in, in our first um, 
effort. In fact, what we did was we took our common sense knowledge graph and we created um, with a relatively simple procedure, uh, uh, an artificial data set of around million questions. And then we could use those questions to again, uh, train and, and adapt our models. Um, you also asked me about limitations. So let me briefly mention a few of those. Um, one that I mentioned before as well is the incompleteness. So graphs essentially would never be fully complete. So um, that could be partially circumvented by using language models that learn over the graph. So as I mentioned before, this is this would work because language models have this um, inherent ability to generalize uh, over or extrapolate over what they um, have seen. Um, there is another limitation, which is, for example, relating to um, bias. So common sense, even though we assume, assume it to be somehow shared, um, there are many examples that show that this may be not exactly um, true, or at least it's disputable. Um, part of the reason for this is that common sense knowledge resources have been created in the Western um, hemisphere of the world. So in fact, one of the most popular um, uh, graphs used today has been created uh, at MIT, which is you know in the US. So a lot of what we consider common sense does reflect the Western uh, worldview. And so this uh, inherently adds certain biases. All right, you mentioned a novel neurosymbolic uh, methods for reasoning based on past generation and seen imagination. Can you provide some examples or use cases where these methods have been applied successfully? Right, so this is a good question um, because indeed I described the methods, but I didn't uh, say where, where they have been used and what we have been developing them for. Um, our initial task was question answering. So here the idea would be um, you're given a certain question. Sometimes uh, there is question and uh, preceding context for that question. And then there are multiple um, candidates out of which only one is correct. So this would be the um, the traditional question answering task with a single correct answer uh, and multiple choices. Um, over time, we have been expanding this to tasks that are more complex because uh, question answering sometimes is solved by models uh, through learning certain correlations that we that essentially mean that the task is solving is solved for uh, what we call for the wrong reasons. And so this inspired us to move on and, and work on other things like uh, story understanding, story generation, um, and more recently, uh, modeling of dialogues and even uh, these interactive text-based games where you have to navigate a certain environment and uh, perform a certain uh, goal. Um, based on, on textual interaction. Um, I have to say that for common sense reasoning, we uh, one important ingredient is that we are able to do this in what we call zero shot. So um, just for the record, zero shot means that the model has not been exposed to any benchmark specific training data before, um, before it applies its reasoning on, on that data. The reason for this is because some, because common sense reasoning is a challenge that we would expect that the machines should be able to perform without uh, ad adapting on one specific benchmark. So of course, models have to be adapted beforehand to whatever we want. Um, but once the model is, let's say, ready to, to answer questions, um, 
adapting it on the specific benchmark feels like cheating. So when we work on all of these tasks, we assume this zero shot um, setting and the community has also been um, moving in this direction. Uh, in terms of applications, uh, let's say downstream applications, one domain that we have been exploring uh, in a lot of depth is uh, traffic monitoring. So here the idea is, let's say we have a camera and the camera captures many hours of videos and the videos have some events. Most of the time nothing happens, but once in a while there is something, perhaps uh, an accident or perhaps trash collection or, or, or a traffic violation. And so uh, we have been working on ways to use common sense reasoning to um, to support tasks uh, in, in such domains. Um, we have been also looking into other domains like uh, healthcare, for example. All right, thank you for providing those examples. So in your opinion, what are the potential implications and applications of common sense reasoning in various domains such as healthcare, robotics, or natural language understanding? Right, so common sense reasoning or you know, having machines that have common sense, um, it's an essential ingredient to have machines to have uh, that we can trust. So I mentioned this notion of trust initially as a motivation, and this is important also when we think about use cases. Um, now, the use cases can, you know, as you mentioned, can be healthcare, can be robotics, can be uh, natural language understanding or education. Uh, there are various uh, cases here. Um, the potential implications are that common sense reasoning is um, expected to bring a few benefits. And so one of those benefits is explainability, uh, which means that if the model performs a certain decision, we should be able to go and trace um, uh, why this is happening, or um, that this could be done either, let's say, by being able to inspect the model or asking the model to justify its decisions. So there are different notions of explainability. Um, however, we would expect that a model with common sense would be able to possess this. Um, the second one is adaptability or uh, also robustness. And so in, in this case, the idea is that the model has seen certain things at training time, um, and then it, we want to apply it on some other data at test time. We expect that the model would be able to reasonably adapt to these cases. You know, as people, we um, see some examples of, um, of situations and then we are able to very well uh, adapt to, to, to new cases and we really want the models to use common sense to achieve this. Um, the third one is collaboration because we want people, people and machines to work together um, in the future and in order to have machines that are more um, present around us and more helpful and more used for social good, we really need to have ways to, to collaborate. So this is closely related to the notion of explainability um, but it is different in a sense that uh, it relates to having mechanisms in the model that are pretty much designed for uh, ongoing collaborations with people. So it's not just a one-off explainability, but it's it's rather um, having a way to um, have this pretty open um, collaboration. Uh, and the third one is responsibility, which is essentially enabling us to um, to control what the model does and uh, to communicate with the model and 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 sort of steer it uh, away from uh, let's say ethical issues and biases, um, but also not only that, right? To to ensure safety, to ensure privacy. So there are many cases in which this responsibility is important. 
Um, and so using common sense as a, as a mechanism is really important for all of these four aspects. Um, because, you know, if, even if we have, let's say, in the traditional or still the mainstream paradigm of, uh, of AI, we are very often going after having high accuracy on some, you know, lab uh, task. So we create certain data set in our lab and we're like, okay, let's try to now get uh, as high as possible of accuracy. Um, this is great as one step, but if we really want to have AI that we can apply and, and trust in, in real applications, um, it is really important to uh, to go beyond this accuracy because 95 accuracy by itself, 95% accuracy by itself um, doesn't really um, mean too much um, when we actually want to apply this in, in use cases, especially if they are um, things like, you know, healthcare, for example. Um, so to make this practical for a second, if we have a robot that has to deliver something uh, and let's say the door is closed, um, it could happen. Uh, it, um, and then the robot has to figure out what to do, right? So should it knock on the door? Should it wait? Should it look for signs? Um, the, the answer to this is depends, right? So many things in life, the answer is often it depends. And um, it depends on what, it might depend on what the robot is bringing. Like if it's ice cream, then probably you should be kind of urgent, but then unless it's winter, maybe if it's winter and you have ice cream, then it's not so urgent. Um, it's probably more urgent than if you have a piece of paper, but then if the paper is actually really needed for the person that you're bringing this to, uh, this may be very, very urgent as well. So this sort of shows, this is one example that shows, let's say in the, in the case of robotics, that we need to have uh, machines that possess this common sense and that um, can, for example, you know, explain what they are um, experiencing, what they're facing, what the reasoning process is being able to collaborate with people, uh, acting responsibly, um, and then also being able to adapt. So um, <clears throat> this would be one case. And then obviously healthcare is another one. Um, here, um, one example that we've been looking at is preventative medicine. So, um, you know, that, that could be sort of one thing to, to consider. Let's say you have a child and uh, the child is, is cold and um, we have AI that wants to help this child. Um, what we need to to uh, ingrain into the AI is the, the common sense reasoning skills. So, you know, like if somebody's cold, we need to find something that solves that by providing warmth. Uh, and so maybe there is no blanket nearby, so we have to look for a jacket. So there's all of these uh, pretty extensive um, common sense reasoning that's needed. Um, and that has to be really uh, done in a way that's, that satisfies this uh, explainability collaboration. Um, adaptability and responsibility. All right. Are there any ethical considerations or potential risks associated with AI systems that possess advanced common sense reasoning abilities? Right. So this is a very good question. In a way, we expect that um, common sense reasoning would be mostly used to um, help us mitigate some of the ethical issues and, and risks. But at the same time, um, there are certain risks. So one risk that I mentioned before is that uh, the common sense models and, and resources that we have are often biased to Western cultures, to certain religions and, and races and nationalities, values. Um, you know, one example is that funeral clothes are black. So this may be true, but this is true in the Western world, not everywhere. Um, one of our 
graphs had uh, things like, you know, barbecue has location Michigan, obviously shows a certain um, bias towards the US in that case. Um, there is also bias against professions. So there are things like lawyers are dishonest um, in there. Um, we also, um, yeah, so these are two examples of biases. Um, where does this bias come from? It's um, a bit of an open question. Sometimes this bias comes from the knowledge graph or the knowledge source. So as I mentioned, one of our knowledge sources has the information that lawyers are dishonest because uh, the crowd um, annotators that stored this knowledge, that created this knowledge, um, had that belief. Um, but there is also knowledge that comes from the model that generalizes over the graph. So the model has this freedom. Uh, let's say if we use a language model to, to abstract over the graph, uh, the model has this freedom to um, sort of improvise over this knowledge. And sometimes that could lead to certain um, biases that are undesired. Um, so these are, um, accepting these biases as common sense may further uh, strengthen the, the social divide and reinforce stereotypes against vulnerable, group, vulnerable groups, um, discriminated professions. So these issues are actually pretty serious and we should really uh, be take them, we should really take them into uh, account. All right, so how do you envision the future of common sense research, reasoning research? What are the key areas that researchers should focus on to further enhance AI's understanding of the world? Right, so um, one big challenge right now is generalizing better when we have little data. Um, many of our big impressive AI models are able to do impressive things, but they're doing this with um, the amount of data and the amount of compute that um, you know, only a few people in the world can really um, uh, benefit from and, and access. And so if we look at how people um, do this, you know, we often see that um, people are able to um, abstract from, from experience when we have, even if we have very little experience with something, we sort of have a way to, to uh, abstract over this. Um, the other thing is more realistic tasks. So tasks that are more interactive, that require longer communication between human and AI uh, that are more open-ended. So one idea, one option here would be, um, you know, finding a solution to a certain puzzle or uh, generating ideas together uh, and then application to new domains. So uh, common sense reasoning is very self-contained in a way that a lot of the research is actually focused on more um, broad uh, applications of it. But uh, going into from broad into deep applications like misinformation or education or healthcare is another um, important future item. All right. So, are there any ongoing projects or initiatives that are you that you are involved in or aware of that are making significant progress in the field of common sense reasoning? Okay. So there are a few that. There, we are working on a lot of aspects of common sense reasoning right now. Um, one of those is methods for better abstraction and generalization over these situations. Um, there is a lot of cognitive science work that um, that has been done on this, and we are essentially one of our ideas is to um, take those ideas and see how they can be best implemented in AI. Um, an example would be, let's say, analogical reasoning or prototype reasoning. These are 
common, um, uh, commonly um, accepted sort of theories in cognitive science that we are uh, working on uh, supporting in AI. Um, I also mentioned new tasks. So we are working on new tasks that challenge the current technology. Um, we just released this task called uh, Brain Teaser, which is about thinking out of the box. So having uh, AI uh, essentially uh, solving uh, tasks that require you to um, to override your common sense. So the, the thing here is that uh, we, we are looking for ways to um, to uh, deprecate some of the assumptions that people make when, when reading certain, uh, let's say, puzzles. Um, and then, you know, these are some works by, by our group on new tasks, and we're also branching into new domains. Um, and as I mentioned, different ways to explain uh, decisions and, um, and abstract over data. Um, besides this, there, there have been a lot of advances within um, sort of larger consortiums. So here in the US, there is the large, uh, Machine Common Sense program by DARPA, which has you know nine teams, uh, much integration between cognitive science and artificial intelligence, um, and this program has actually produced many of the resources, benchmarks, models um, that have come out in the field uh, in the past few years, and um, you know I've been uh, involved in leading one of these nine teams. Okay, so what for individuals interested in pursuing a career or research in common sense reasoning, what advice would you give them to contribute to the advancement of this field? Right, so one of the main advices that I give also to my students is to think beyond the dominant paradigm at the time of speaking. Um, you know, it's very easy to be blinded by uh, great uh, examples of let's say chat gpt and large language models and certain there is a lot to be excited about there um, but thinking out of the box for the difficult challenges that that still remain like explainability adaptability and so on and also how to actually use this ai for social good so how do we uh, use this impressive technology to really improve people's lives uh, there are a lot of interesting um, research directions at the intersection of, of ai and and sort of uh, human collaboration um, so the, how to do that in practice, you know, one of the things that we've been looking at is looking at cognitive literature for, for inspiration, but there is also a lot of other social sciences that can serve as an inspiration and as an important, um, uh, theoretical work. Um, the path to understand the world around us and contextualizing situation, you know, could be by just aligning, uh, world models from, um, these social and theoretical sciences to into a joint, uh, you know, AI that has a big common sense uh, component. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Alevsky. It has been wonderful having you on our podcast, Science Summaries. Your insights on into enhancing common sense reasoning and the neurosymbolic approaches were truly enlightening. Thank you for the invite, Ashimi. If you would like to ask us a question about today's podcast or would like to offer your expertise and join us as a guest speaker, please email us at the link in, this, in the description box. Thank you for supporting our podcast and we hope you have enjoyed the, listening to today's session. Stay safe and see you soon.